Welcome back to Podcast 47 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKF. Follow us at the Osbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Osbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by Betfred Sports. For 250 bucks worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code ODDS23. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the Osbreakers and benefit from our premium place, please visit theosbreakers.com. Click shop and become a member. Pick any of our winning cappers. Get their premium plays before line moves. You can also support us on Patreon.com and get the podcast early without commercials. And if nothing else, please visit the Asbreakers and become a free Picks and Telegram subscriber. And we also have a Discord channel, my friends. Go to newsletter and then click on free Discord chat so we can talk all football season long. about. We can discuss any leans or likes that you might have on any games that are not necessarily that handicappers premium play. We have a great show for you today, my friends, because Kyle Hunter is finally back to discuss some college football. We're going to talk a little ACC, talk a little rule changes, talk a little college football teams that may be changing their pace. I'm very excited to talk to Kyle about this, and uh, we're going to find out some information from him that's crucial to totals handicapping. And Kyle's really good at sides as well. You know, he doesn't get the nearly the credit that he should based upon the sides that he bets as well, just because his totals have always been straight fire. And after that, Ross Tucker from the Ross Tucker group of podcasts, Even Money, The Fantasy Feast and More is coming on to discuss a little NFL. Can't wait to talk to those guys and break down some of these huge season win totals coming out for 2023. Also, for the month of August, I am running a special myself, 75 bucks a month for life at theoddsbreakers.com. Just click on my membership. It has been discounted over 100% to 75 bucks just for this month only, and you will be grandfathered that rate for life. We also have a promo. If you just want our packages, use the code FOOTBALL23 to get 100 bucks off any handicapper package here at theoddsbreakers.com. All right, without further ado, let's bring on our great guest, Mr. Kyle Hunter from Kyle Hunter Picks and Huntersportspicks.com. Now I'm very excited to welcome back one of our longest and most knowledgeable guests when it comes to handicapping college football to the Icebreakers and Mr. Kyle Hunter from Huntersportspicks.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Here we are, Kyle. Football season start. You, we're going to see a game this month. It's August. How was your summer, and are there any highlights? Well, I'll tell you, um, it's been a good summer. I am looking forward to the fall at this point. When you get to the summer, you're always looking forward to the summer, but you get to this point, uh, you're looking forward to football season. It's been a good summer. Uh, took a little vacation, did a lot of remodeling around the house here. I know you've done the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, But it's it's nice to do that but it's also nice to get back to some of these games um you know we have uh some of the weather will cool off a little bit we'll see some fall i, I bet you're probably looking forward to a cool off there in arizona at this point but oh you northern uh, you know, you northerners man jeez come on yeah yeah come on. it's it's 
I'll tell you what, it's um, the time of the year where it's really nose the grindstone to, you know, find all the ins and outs of these college football teams and the NFL teams. And what well, there's now 133 teams in college football. So there's a lot of work to do and uh, been putting it along in a lot of long hours. So hopefully it pays off this year again. Yeah. Jacksonville state, Sam Houston, I believe. Yeah. It's just yeah. keeps added up my friend. And uh, that's cool for me. Cause I like, uh, you know, the FBS more than the FCS. I, the FCS, you're also getting minus 120 on both sides in a lot of books, too. So it's a. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But no, you're right. It's time, man. And uh, I myself had a great summer, and uh, highlight was going up into Wisconsin. But uh, you did some fun things, too. I think that I thought I called you when you were in Disney. Was it Disneyland or something? No, we were at. Hershey, Pennsylvania, Hershey. We went to Hershey Park there for a little bit. So yeah, we, okay. we, yeah. Uh, we had a fun time. Uh, Rode some coasters, had a good time, ate too much chocolate, ice cream, things like that. But uh, we're back to civilization here now, to the normal reality, and we're and we're going to uh, buckle down here for football season, man. It's uh, you know, you get that little bit of a break. I will say, um, you know, baseball season can be fun, but I, I, you know, I do get a little bit tired of only baseball. So I'm, I'm looking forward to football kicking. Back. Oh, me too, me too. You know, it's a uh... It's finally time to think about it, and I'm getting really excited. I, I've been doing, I'm having a great baseball year at least, but man, I, I'm really itching for some football myself. And you know, I, I have to ask you this question. I've asked other people this question, but you're the most important to ask this question too. And it's really how do you, how are we going to approach the college football totals with this rule change of the clock running on first down? Uh, I believe until two minutes and a half. So, yeah, I've seen some books really over adjust so far. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing for me is I, I don't know exactly what it's going to do to how many less plays per game. I think that you could also argue that some teams might play a little bit differently on purpose because of the new rules. So I want to see what kind of tendencies we see. I'm going to be keeping a really close eye on those week zero games to see how many possessions there were, how many plays compared to what we saw in a lot of the games last year. However, I think um, rather than saying exactly how many plays less, I think there'll be um, I think the biggest key is for most listeners to realize that everybody is talking about how unders are going to be so easy to take at this point. You know, I, the amount of times I've seen people on uh, Twitter or X or whatever it is at this yeah. point, but, uh, you know, talking about how unders are going to be free, you know, here we go with the unders. Kiev, you know, I'm an under better more than an over better, uh -huh. but I'm really concerned with the odds adjustments I'm seeing. I mean, some of these line moves are massive. You know, it's not like they're not going to score any points because of this line move, because of the change. So I would be very careful about just blindly betting unders right away. I will tell you, I right away to start the season will bet less totals than I would have in a regular season just because I think there's too much um, variance, too much unknown. Uh, I want to see what happens before I uh, dive in uh, head first, but there will be less plays per game. The, the odds makers have adjusted for this clearly. Uh, so let's see if there, there was an over adjustment or not. Okay. All right. I, I agree. I almost think that the fat, the teams that were scoring a lot of points playing faster might even play even faster because they don't have that advantage awesome. and, and they could score more points. And then I also think the armies and the, uh, you know, the service academies and the, and the teams that really like to grind it out, the slow playing teams, the Iowa's, they might just really capitalize on it themselves and just run the clock. I, I think it's a definitely an advantage running teams, especially when it comes to fourth quarter. 
Um, a lot of stuff to think about because there's a side implication when it comes to that sure. as well. So I agree. I think treading lightly is very important because we don't know what to expect and we don't know the exact number it should be adjusted. And there's nothing like college football, but we'll be paying attention quickly because we will be adjusting. So great stuff, Kyle. I know you will be being that you're so great at totals. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the ACC, man. Um, interesting. It's nice to see the ACC is not like the – they're like sitting there in the cut, a little quiet. You know, you got the Pac-12 demise. You got the Big 12 losing some people. The Big 10's gaining. The SEC's gaining. You know, all that. And the AC's just kind of hanging out there. You know, nothing's really changing. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of like that. But at the same time, when I prepped for this podcast over the weekend, I was like, man, these te- there's a lot of teams here. This is not ending. But what's the biggest change so far in the ACC? I mean, they're not doing the divisions where they're going to play Coastal versus um, what was the other one called Atlantic or something. Uh, yep. You know, these are, these are just going to be the one versus two teams when you get to the uh, playoff game or the uh, title game here for the conference, which I do like. Um, I think it'll be nice. We've had some years where one team in the one division really didn't deserve to be there uh, compared to some of the other teams. I think it sets up for a more competitive uh, game there in the ACC championship. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, I know there's been some talk, Kiev, and we won't get into this because uh, we would take far too long if we did. But I know there's been some talk about what Florida State's going to do in the future, whether they're going to stay in the ACC. I I sound like an old head when I say this, but there's there's almost too much change here for me of late. So I agree with you. I like the ones that have kind of stayed the same. Uh, hopefully the ACC can hold on here at least for a while. Yeah, it, it is what it is. It's not going to stop us from betting, but I, I mean right. – I don't want too much conference power to where they break off to their own league. I don't want to see something like that because that could happen if, if they're not getting in the playoffs and, you know, the SEC could be bitter about some stuff. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I like a chance for everybody myself. I love the size of it, and they just got to at least keep the size with whatever they're doing. So I totally agree with you. I'm a little bit of an old head myself, my friend. Uh, I'm older than you, Kyle, but uh, uh, I, I definitely know that you're an old head whenever I talk. You, you, you're, you're, you're mature past your ears, your, your, your years, not your ears, my friend. So that's that's uh, that's why I always thought of you, and especially when I first started uh, listening to you way back in the day in 2013. But we have a question, actually. Uh, David is asking about Drake May. And I think the UNC is a, a great place to start here. Why not? Um, Drake May's full of hype coming into the season. He is. I mean, his Heisman odds are probably in the, you know, single digits, maybe 8-1, to 10-1. to one. I have to relook at them. But they're definitely not value. Uh, it, it, what Realistically, what kind of outcome can we see for UNC? How many wins do you think they can have he has? So I'll induce the uh north carolina tar heels here you know coming on in i i think that north carolina obviously lost a very important uh offensive coordinator to one of my favorite teams behind me as you know as in the wisconsin badgers i'm i'm excited for it but i'm still a little apprehensive to see what the how the heck this is actually gonna look uh big you know, change yeah it's a massive change you know and um we'll see i i think that i rate their three-year recruiting, their average from 2020 to 2022, I have average of 13, which is very high. I mean, anything averaging up there is quite high because you have your bad years and good years. Uh, returning production ranked 43, 69% on the offense, 58% on of the defense. Transfer portal rankings on 247 was 29th. Net yards per play was only 0.13 
2022 strength of schedule was 49th. This year it's ranked 57th. Their win total is at eight, Kyle. So uh, I'm going to see what you have to say about Drake May and the Tar Heels. Well, I mean, I've got nothing negative to say about Drake May. He's going to be a, a superstar again, and he'll be a good NFL player, certainly. Um, my concern is Chip Lindsey comes in as the offensive coordinator. I'm not high on Chip Lindsey in general. He's kind of – I didn't do a good job with uh, the, the Troy program when he was there. You saw how much better Troy got when they got rid of him and then uh, bring in the new coach. Uh, you know, you hope he doesn't ruin the offense because things were going great with the offense. We don't need a big change here. The other thing is, Kiev, uh, the defense for North Carolina, I mean, can they stop anybody? It, it got ridiculous last year how yeah. bad the defense was. Yeah. Uh, that, that team benefited from turnovers and winning a lot of close games. Uh, in general, I would want to bet a season one total under for North Carolina. I know there's some eight and a halfs out there. I would definitely want to get that eight and a half. And because I bet season win total so much, I do think it's important to point out that those um, those half a win, th those are worth a lot when it comes to season win totals, probably 65, 75 cents, somewhere in that range. So uh, you don't want to get caught not getting the half win right. on something like a season win total. So definitely shop around on those. I would say uh, defensive line for me is such a problem for North Carolina. It just really concerns me. They had 17 sacks last year, four and a half yards per carry allowed. Uh, the talent seems to be pretty good there every year, and yet they can't stop anybody. So, uh, you know, are they going to be able to do that this year? I don't want to count on it. Um, I also would think that this is a team that we want to watch the tempo for because what's North Carolina going to do under Chip Lindsey, uh, you know, compared to what they've had the last few seasons? They might play a little bit slower. Um, you know, those, not, those total numbers are going to be very high for this team, so I would be cautious about those early on. Oh, for sure. And May's coming in with a lot of hype, but also a target on his back now, as you know. Their teams are not sleeping on him this year. They got some wide receivers in the transfer portal. They got a guy from UCF, probably came with Chip Lindsay, I believe. Uh, a couple other guys, I think, from, I want to say, maybe from Kent State and Georgia Tech, I'm pretty sure. I have to relook at it. But... Um, I have them at 7.5 wins. Uh, they have a hard schedule on the non-conference because Appalachian State is no pushover, and they're close by. They're going to want to win the game. South Carolina is on a neutral site. You know, it's not like Minnesota. I mean, they have to play Minnesota this year. You know, you know, it's a, it's not that easy. Group of five, bottom barrel. Uh, strength of schedule this year, Kyle. And I, I really strongly lean to the under here and fading all this hype with May. I know May's good, but man, this defense was, I think, last in points scored in the ACC last year. And I think they were last in total yards as well, Kyle. So I, so David, I, I'm looking towards the under here. I didn't make the play yet, but find an eight and a half and it will be one. Yeah, under is definitely my pretty strong lean here. The other thing is that App State game. Remember the 63-61 final where North Carolina won? I don't remember how many overtime games it went in, but that was a, a wacky game where App State has plenty of reason to really want them back for a game like that. I think uh, North Carolina is a team that won some games they probably shouldn't have won last year, so I'd be cautious there. Yeah, absolutely. And they did get Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech for wide receiver and Tez Walker from Kent state. So I, my memory did serve me right. I just kind of remember the names, Kyle. I'm not a great names guy. So I always have to check That's my right. notes, but it's okay. Let's move on to Clemson. Then why don't we go, why don't we kind of start with the team or go to the team that's been on top of the ACC for so long, you know, Clemson, uh, 
interesting because they've faltered a little bit after Venables has been gone, obviously. The defense maybe took a... I don't even know if they really took a step back. I thought that defense was pretty solid last year. But, um, you know, Clemson's a team that I kind of like. I'm not going to lie. Their three-year recruiting is at six. The returning production is 36, 64% on offense, 75% on defense. Their transfer portal rankings is terrible at 101. And I, they just don't do that. They, they're not like an NIL program. They don't want to be. I think they need to be in the future. But their yards per play was only .57. 2022 strength of schedule was at 101. This year is at 40th. Their win total is 10. Cade uh, Klubnik, Kyle, uh, does he have what it takes to put these guys back in the playoffs? I mean, that's a million-dollar question right there. Uh, there's a lot on his shoulders and – uh, the Clemson defense is excellent. I think the front seven, Kiev, is as good as anybody outside of maybe Georgia. I mean, and even that's questionable. And if you're being talked about with Georgia, then you know you're doing something right there. Uh, the secondary was a little bit weaker last year, gave up some big plays in the secondary. I think they're probably going to be better than they were last year. Um, you know, probably a team that I know in Phil Steele's rankings went from 8th to 38th in pass defense. I would expect them to go back up in the top 15 or 20 this year. Um, offensively, their running backs are really good. Shipley's underrated. Moffat's a good backup. Uh, the question mark is, you know, in the new offense under Garrett Riley. Garrett Riley was a good hire. I don't think anybody doubts that. Is it going to happen right away? I think this is a really big season for Clemson because they went 11-3 and three last year, and yet it still seemed like kind of a down season for Clemson. We know that, you know, in the past they were seen as a national title team. They weren't very close to that last year. I think this is a – a really big year for them. Like you said, they haven't been very good in, in the NIL era. Uh, if they don't bounce back a bit this year, it would concern me for their long-term, uh, you know, path or uh, projections going forward. But I like their hires as far as coordinators. And I think the upside is there, Kiev. Uh, and rather than betting a season win total over, I think I'd rather bet something like them to reach the playoffs or even take a flyer on them to get the, to win the national titles that you could hatch out if they do get to the playoffs I think they're a team that they could be really, really good, and it wouldn't surprise me. They could struggle a bit, and it wouldn't shock me. So because of the variance, I'd rather bet the future than I would the season win total. No, I agree, and that's actually what I did go. Um, I took a future on them that they make the playoffs at 3.5 to 1. And yep. It's a slight slap to Florida State, I guess, but – you know, it's still it's Clemson and Charleston Southern. They get in the non-conference Florida Atlantic, which is a little harder this year. And I really can't wait to get into the American Athletic Conference and how they're moving and everything and all the changes that's been happening. I'm I've, I've blown off the group of five a little bit, but I'm just about there. I've done a little work. Notre Dame's always tricky, but they get Notre Dame at home. I like how they got Notre Dame at home, North Carolina at home and uh, Wake Forest at home, Florida State at home. The tougher ones, yeah. I, I guess, would be the first game at Duke. I expect them to win that game. And at Miami. But Miami, ugh, oh, they were bad last year, man. I, I, I hope for Miami's sake that they can do something. At South Carolina is at the very end. That's a little bit of that rivalry game there. But Cade Klubnik is much better than DJ Uyunglele, in my opinion. I think that their weakness was the offense, like you said. They lost the coordinators on both sides of the ball the last two years. But they returned four starting linemen. They returned some starting wide receivers. Uh, Shipley, I, I just, I just think that it's time for them to kind of get back into it, and people are just looking past them a little bit too much. They kind of lost the hype. I like buying on teams that are 
very talented, like Cade Klubnik and some of their uh, guys they've been recruiting, ranking six over those three-year span. I, I think that they can make the playoffs. I'm not going to bet them to win the ACC, but three, if they win the ACC and they have that one loss or no losses, Kyle, they'd almost have to be in the playoffs. So that's where I'm liking them. Yeah, I agree. I like that bet. Uh, Michael, thanks for chiming in with uh, somehow the world seems a bit more normal <laughs> with seeing Kyle and Kiev talking college football. It does feel great. Uh, and I agree with his thought here. It seems like there's about uh, one of eight teams that could join uh, Georgia in the playoffs. I think Clemson's one of them. So yeah. uh, you got several teams with that high upside potential. Clemson's one of them. I like Kiev's bet there for them to reach the playoffs. Yeah, thank you, Mike Lissera. I believe that you know how to pronounce your last name. So, yeah, I really think that Clemson is the one overlooked, and you're right. Uh, uh, you got Michigan, obviously, always there. Ohio State's always there. Georgia, Bama, Clemson's always there. But then you got to throw in USC. You know, you maybe even Oregon, right? You got to throw in a couple Texas. of those teams. They return their quarterbacks. Texas, of course, and everybody's talking about Texas. They do every yeah. year, but that, there, there's a legit reason <laughs> that, because Texas has everybody and all the talent. Just got to get that quarterback, him, him in his right mind. If he was just consistent last year, he'd be great. Let's move on to the next team, and let's go to Florida State, man. Why not? And Florida State was fantastic last year. Uh, they are their average three year recruiting twenty one point six six. Returning production rank was first. Holy cow, first. Yeah. That's a lot of 80% on offense, 94% on defense, transfer portal rankings, fifth. Net yards per play, 2.11. 2022 strength of schedule is 24th. Strength schedule this year is 45th. Win total is 10, though. I mean, I wrote the sky's the limit with them, really. Um, returns the most production, but once again, they're not going to be sneaking up on anybody. You know, Jordan Travis was amazing, 64%, 24 touchdowns thrown i love the fact that these guys did great in the transfer portal but the big loss on defense was safety jamie robinson uh they returned some of their other secondaries in their starting linebackers i think that's huge but they have to go to clemson and i always have to do that there's there's two main hurdles with them they they're starting off at lsu or against LSU, I think it's a, it might be a neutral site, Kyle. I have to relook at that. Yeah, yeah, and, and then then they uh, have to go to Clemson. That is two very difficult games. I would definitely put LSU better than Notre Dame, and that's where Clemson has got to play. So I think that it's just a little bit more hurdles. You know, their strength of schedule is going to be a little bit difficult. What are your thoughts? I think another tricky game on that is the the at Pitt game. I think Pitt's a pretty good team. Um, playing on the road there is not going to be very easy. I I tell you, I think um, the returning starters is great. You know, Florida State played so well last year. Uh, they yards per play margin. They look like they could have been even better than what they were. Uh, I think it is interesting you said about the recruiting rankings. Florida State still isn't up there with those top five or six teams when it comes to recruiting rankings. That would make me a bit cautious about betting them to win a title because I'm not sure they can beat the best from some of the other uh, teams throughout the country. I think they're a consistently very good team. And I, I think that their, their floor is very high. You know, this is a team that's going to win a lot of games, no matter what, barring some ridiculous injury luck or something. Um, to me, 10 is awfully high. If you're going to bet an over for a season win total here, I can't bet over. Do I really want to bet the under? No, I'm not going to bet anything on a Florida state uh, I do think that Florida State, 8-5 and five ATS last year, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. Like you said, they're very highly rated. Um, you know, In my notes, 
uh, I basically said, this is a team that I want to wait and see what's going on. I don't want to fire away right away on this team because uh, perception is so high. They are a very good team. They are, absolutely, and I agree with you. Um, I mean, if they were playing at home against Clemson, I might have made the bet on them, but that, that's, a, that's just the big flip for me. I, I, I've, yeah. I think that I have them power rated, Kyle, pretty close to each other. I have Florida State upgraded to 17.5 points better than the average team, and I have Clemson right there at 17.5 as well. I mean, literally neck and neck here, but the fact that I got a little bit better number on Clemson uh, was nice. So that's the reason I made it that way. But I think the ACC could sneak someone in for sure. Let's move on to another one. This is an interesting one. Duke, Kyle, because Duke is that team that really overachieved last year. I mean, blows your mind how they got to so many wins. Where they win uh, eight games, nine games? I think nine. Oh, yeah, they won nine total games last year. Um, they don't recruit well. I mean, average recruiting is 56.66. Returning production ranks 33rd, 82% on offense, 60% on defense. Transfer portal rankings was only 57th. Net yards per play, 0.59. 2022 strength schedule was 74. Strength schedule this year is 49th, but it, I believe it's actually harder than that, in my opinion, from a total. Uh, win total is only 6.5, though. So, yes, yeah, Duke at 6.5. You know, and it, it feels so public for people to want to go over on this. But one thing I will say about Duke is that they were terrible against the pass. They ranked 12th in the ACC against their pass, uh, 150 or 105th in defensive pass EPA. I mean, if they can fix that, they could be very dangerous. But they have Clemson at Florida State. At North Carolina versus Notre Dame and more. I mean, this this is a brutal schedule. This is why you're seeing it six point five. I mean, I like Riley Leonard. Uh, I just can't see Mike Elko's team doing it. This is a tough one because I like uh, Elko a lot. Like Leonard a lot as a program, I think that they're doing a very good job. Still pointing in the wrong way, in the right way, and I do think that. Duke is probably better than they were last year, but it's not going to show on the wins and losses. Uh, sometimes we have these teams where if you go back and look at who Duke beat last year too, they didn't really beat the really good teams they played. Uh, they didn't really play a tough schedule at all last year, a much, much tougher strength of schedule this year than what they had last year. Just go through there. They play Clemson to start. Um, Notre Dame at Duke is obviously a tough game. At Florida State, at Louisville, who's going to be good as well. Um, at UNC, uh, Pittsburgh at Duke will be a tough game. I think Duke is a better team than last year. I think Riley Leonard is a top 15 or 20 quarterback in the country. And yet I can't bet over six and a half. It, feel, it feels too easy, you know, public wise to bet over six and a half. <laughs> um, I think this team is a good team. They also went 10 and three against the spread last year. So they're not sneaking up on anybody uh, in the, as far as the odds makers either this season. So um, a better team, tougher schedule, Maybe some unders. I think Elko's a, a coach who will help the defense over time with his defensive mind. So uh, maybe some totals under the total uh, betting the single games here. Yeah, no dis no disagreement there. Uh, look to the under, and I think I I want Duke to win one of those games that I just uh, rattled <laughs> off. You know, maybe it's Florida State, maybe it's Clemson. You know. I, I want them to win one of them. So uh, maybe it's the UNC. That's a big rivalry right there. So let's see. But speaking about what you just said about Louisville, Louisville's going to be good this year? That's interesting, Kyle. Uh, a lot of changes with Louisville. So I'm going to let you get started on Louisville. 
Well, I think Louisville's going to be good this year. I do think the season win total is tough. I mean, um, you know, what is it, eight and a half, eight or eight and a half, depending on the book. So, uh, I have pretty s- high wins. Actually, total. wait a minute. I th- I found it at six, but I'm going to double check this on Betfred Sports to see if it's still there. So, you go ahead. Wow, I, I, maybe that's uh, that's a lot different than what I've no, seen. No, so no, no, I, no. I wrote it wrong. It is eight and a half, but to the under minus one fifty. So it's more like eight point one, eight point two. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Kiev, I was about to about to go bet over six. There. <laughs> so <laughs> I was about to open the tab there and go right to bet over six. Um, I think eight and a half is pretty high. Um, Brom, you know, he comes back to Louisville. This is a great story. I, I think Brom did a great job with Purdue. Um, everybody has to like this higher. What are they going to do right away? It's going to be a drastic change from the system that they've been in the last few years. And Kiev, if we're going to talk about totals and what scheme changes are going to look like, Louisville's about as drastic as you'll get. Um, their defense was excellent last year. You look at their defensive stats, they were far better than anybody expected. Offensively, they were disappointing. I would expect their defense to regress uh definitely get worse this year and i think their offense gets a decent amount better so let's see what their totals are early on i would definitely consider betting overs with them um i also think louisville will be bad against the run uh they lost a lot of talent on the defensive line so i think the defensive line is going to be a weakness Plummer has been with brahm in the past so i think he'll know the system pretty well as the quarterback um, I tend to think that Louisville is going to be a pretty good team, but eight and a half is a lot of wins. I, I can't take over eight and a half. Okay. I, and I wrote it down wrong, but I had seven as the win, so I wasn't going to go o- over. I probably th- was thinking eight and a half when I did write it or eight, but I'm going to lean to the under for sure on this one. I think that, you know, I like Jeff Brom and what he does. And the Big Ten, you have to remember the dude never passed. I mean, the last I can't remember when they weren't top five in passing attempts, Kyle, over the last five or six seasons. I look back five seasons and this team minus COVID year when obviously they didn't have as many games was top five in passing attempts. Um, Jack Plummer is Jack Plummer. I mean, he tr- he tried to have some upside. He where was he last year at Texas A&M? Where, where it was uh, I can't remember what school he was at last year, but yeah, he faltered and how? Yeah, it was Cal, and he and he was you know he definitely wasn't that good in that system. And Jeff Brom's system is very pass friendly and pass heavy. But you know when you look at a year where they're kind of hurting the pass a little bit, not stopping that clock on first down, I think it does hurt Jeff Brom teams. And yeah, it makes me really think about this eight and a half win total. I know that Murray State should be an easy win. Indiana should be a win. I mean, Indiana knows Jeff yeah. Brom and he knows Indiana, so I wonder how that's going to work out. I, I, I expect them to win that game, but I think I, I just think of no defense all the time. And their defense was good last year, but they also played pretty slow. Now, normally Cunningham, it's a massive change for the kids playing around him and they're going to have to learn a new system right away. Uh, Notre Dame's going to be very tough. Um, Kentucky is on their schedule. You know, uh, they do avoid Clemson at least, and they avoid Florida state. So that's good, but eight and a half is high for a new team. I, I I think eight would be their ceiling. So I'll I'll even make a play on this after this. I'm I'll make a play under eight and a half. It's minus one fifty. I'll just throw a half a unit on there, Kyle. I feel strongly about that. I'm going to think about that one too, Kiev. I haven't placed all my bets on season win totals, but that's one that I'm considering. 
Um, you know, I, I think Louisville is a good team. I just think the expectations here are super high right away. Yeah, 100%. Well, good. Glad we're on the same page. Let's move on to another team. And we can really pick because there's no, like, coastal in uh, Atlantic anymore. Um, why don't you go to Miami? Let's talk about Miami, the U. And, uh, man, was this team <laughs> disappointing last year. I'm going to find my notes real quick. Um, I mean, Marco or Mario Cristobal had the honeymoon year last year, the classic honeymoon year. But, I mean, being negative .58 in yards per play, when this team is recruiting high, 14.66 is recruiting. They return a decent amount of production, 35th in returning production, 62% in offense, 77% in defense. Uh, their schedule is 68th last year, ranks 65th this year in uh, power. Their win total seven and a half. I just think that I'm worried about this Miami team. The honeymoon is over, like I said. Uh, I don't know how could they could have been this bad with the with the way they recruited. It makes no sense to me. They fired their offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, and they brought in Sean uh, Dawson from Houston. That's a Dana Holgerson kind of guy, a, a guy that learned from Dana Holgerson. It's going to be more of an air raid style offense, but that always takes some adjustment time. Um, I didn't bet anything, but I'm going to lean to the under. Kiev, I tell you, uh, Mario Cristobal has gotten a lot of love in past years. Uh, I've always thought he was a bit overrated. Now, obviously, he's probably a little less overrated now than he was in the past because they just went 2-10 and 10 against the spread last year. Yeah. But he's 54-72 and 72 against the spread all time. So he's been burning money here for a while, and it wasn't just last year. Uh, he recruits well. I don't know that he does that well with the team after he has them there. Um, I think, you know, I – I think that Miami got too much of a pass from some people last year. I know they had injuries. I get that, you know, uh, on the bet us college football show, I, I was talking about Miami and there were a lot of those hurricanes fans got in the comments. Like you don't realize they got injured. You don't realize blah, blah, blah. Look, Kiev, they had recruited so well that even with those injuries to have that kind of season is pretty, uh, I, I just think that you can't give them a pass for something like that. Uh, five and seven, two and ten against the spread. Some of those losses, it looked like they were just giving up. You know, they, you can't do that. Uh, I think they'll be better this year. How could they be worse? You know, I mean, uh, having said that, do I really want to trust them to bet over seven and a half? I do not. Somebody else can go ahead and do that. Uh, you know, I think Tyler Van Dyke, if he stays healthy, can be pretty good here. Um, the defense um, has enough talent. Uh, they were 102nd. Kiev and total QBR allowed last year. That's just horrible. How could the secondary be that bad? Remember when Middle Tennessee State was just chewing them up and spitting them out? Um, you know, I'm probably going to get some uh, Miami fans hating on us here, but I, I don't hate Miami. I just don't know how they were that bad. I think that yeah. you know they should be so much better. If they can't bounce back this year, I'm really concerned about their future. They ranked seventh in the transfer portal. You know, they they need to build this team back and. I find it really funny that the most disappointing teams played each other last year, Texas A&M versus Miami, but they're going to play yeah. each other again this year, Texas A&M uh, hosting Miami. And it, it that's makes their schedule a little harder. You know, I, I, they should be Bethune Cookman and Temple looking on the non-conference, but uh, you know, at Florida state at NC state at North Carolina. Yeah. That's pretty hard. You know, there's four probable losses right there. And then Clemson at home. I'd almost rather play Clemson on the road and just chalk that out as a loss. Yeah, here. take the loss. You know, yeah. Tyler Van Dyke was a bit injured last year. But um, 
I, I don't know. I, 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 I've definitely felt that I overrated him coming into last year after seeing what he did. I, I thought he was really frustrated. Maybe this is all Josh Gaddis's bad offense, but I don't know. It's, uh, I, I can't. I there's no chance in heck I would bet the over with Miami. So I'm in it with you. And it's funny, I upgraded him a lot in my power ratings because I had him so low last year. They're in the negatives. I have him as kind of average ACC team, but I, that's only that's the only way I could start him because of their transfer portal ranking power. I had to add that up, you know. So, right, um, just one of those uh, situations. Let's move to NC State. NC State was pretty good last year. Uh, I believe they won uh, six or seven games, uh, eight games. They won eight games last year. Then they lost that bowl game against Maryland. It was one of those weird 16 to 12 games. And they, it was a Duke's Mayo Bowl, as a matter of fact. So NC State, Dave Doran, obviously a coach that has definitely proved people wrong when he comes in as a dog. I'll let you start on this one, Kyle. Yeah, NC State was hyped so much last year. Uh, remember, Kiev going into the season, people like NC State, this is their year to knock off the top teams. Uh, they went four and nine against the spread last year, even though they were eight and five straight up. So they underachieved. I know they had some injuries on defense as well. I think the biggest key about this team is they bring in a new offensive coordinator in Robert or Nye. I think they'll play faster than they have been, Kiev. I kind of think overs could have some value with uh, NC State. Now, I still think their defense is good, especially linebackers. Peyton Wilson's a, a star linebacker. I think Brandon Armstrong coming in as quarterback is good. Brandon Armstrong was absolutely hosed last year at Virginia. If you look at some of the dropped passes stats and uh, what Elliott did to that offense there at Virginia was just terrible. I think Brandon Armstrong is far better than he looked last season. Uh, so I like him coming in. I think that NC State – as long as they get decent offensive line play, and that is a bit of a question mark here, as long as they get defense, decent offensive line play, I think overs here could have some value. I would expect them to play faster. Yeah, I would too. Dave Duran has always been good when he was doubted. He wasn't good as a favorite right. last year coming in, but you know this team was a disgusting minus point one five net yards per play. Uh, you know they they never recruit good. They're only ranked 47.66 three-year recruiting, 98th in returning production. But, you know, returning production is really based upon their quarterback, Devin Leary. Is Devin Leary, uh, an, was he an upgrade over Brendan Robinson or, or or is Brendan, I should say Armstrong, not Robinson, is Brendan Armstrong a downgrade from him? I seen him really good like two years ago, you know? I, I, I think so. I think he's a little bit of a downgrade, but it's hard to tell. I hate going against Duran, you know? I mean, he really shocks you when um, – when you'd least expect it, you know, these kids knew that they were supposed to be good last year and they weren't, that could motivate them. This, I think, I think the win total is great at 6.5. I think it's fine. I think it's a good win total. Yep. I think nothing here on the win total or future. I just want to look to see to maybe bet some overs with this team through the year. All right, let's move to Pitt then Kyle Pitt is uh, in a situation themselves where they have a new quarterback coming in, Phil Jerkovic. And some people call him Jerkovic, Jerkovic, uh, Jerkovic. I never know what to say, but <laughs> this is definitely a big change when he's coming in from Boston College. Uh, lifetime transfer guy. So what are your thoughts on Pitt? I think Pitt's good. Um, I like this team in general. I, I tend to think that, I'll be honest, I wish I had bet this win total when it first came out. Yeah, you know, six and a half was a good over bet. Um, seven pretty much across the board now, or six and a half, you know, minus 200. But, you know, 
I don't like to lay minus 200. And uh, I think Pitt, you know, they're always good defensively. They have that offensive coordinator in Signetti who likes to run the football, play slower. Um, with, uh, you know, I have no idea if it's Yurkovich or Jerkovich or whatever, like you said. <laughs> you know, I've been corrected multiple times different ways, so I don't know what it is. <laughs> but Phil is a good quarterback, and uh, I think I think he uh, is an upgrade at quarterback probably. Uh, Slovis didn't play great in this system. Uh, as far as the running backs, they're always pretty good. You know, uh, Narduzzi teams can run the football pretty well. The offensive line is good. The defensive line at Pitt is good every single year, Kiev. You know, they lose a bunch of guys every year, and people say maybe they won't be very good. Then they get, you know, 40, 45 or 50 sacks again. So I assume they're going to be very good because that's what we've seen out of them. Uh, you know, this is a, a defensive backfield that's not great. So I think the secondary would be their weakness. Uh, special teams-wise, too, I think we should say special teams-wise, Pitt is amazing. Uh, they have a great punter. They're going to win some games because their special teams are so good. So in general, I tend to like Pitt better than the market, I believe. Um, I haven't bet an over here on a win total, but that would be my lead. I can't believe how much this team has lost to the NFL um, over the past two years. I mean, obviously their quarterback went to Pittsburgh, <laughs> you know, the Steelers the two years ago, and they lost a lot of guys. Um, and it's just so weird. How do you how do you keep finding these guys when their recruiting ranks forty nine point six six? You know their returning production is terrible, hundred nineteenth. I am not a big. I'm a I am a big Narduzzi guy, but I'm not a big Jerkovic guy. I I, I know he was on Boston College, and I didn't. I, I, he kind of shined for a minute on Notre Dame when there was an injury, but. I don't know what to think about him. I, I hate going against Narduzzi. This kind of feels like the same NC State type situation where I don't want to go against it, yet my number's a little bit lower. My number's six and a half. I, I had to downgrade him in the, a bit in the power ratings because of all the, the guys they did lose to the NFL, and some of those guys were high draft picks. And, you know, Kalasia Kansi, wasn't he like one, first round or second round of the uh, a, pick and they were just great and then defense or their pass rush was amazing if you remember and i uh i think that they have to take a step back but i've been wrong about them before my power ring on them is right close to miami's around six so uh, i'm gonna keep them there and this is kind of that year that i'm not gonna jump into a lot of plays in the beginning either kyle i'm gonna kind of wait it out i'm not chasing any um lines uh, thinking that there's going to be move movement in one way or the other unless i'm really sure about something i think that's just a good way to approach the season in general so no disagreement really there i just don't like the fact that they lost so much to the nfl but let's talk about another overrated team last year and they were overrated because we <laughs> when they started out what was six wins in a row or something syracuse you know that was absolutely ridiculous um i and you do give credit to uh, Schrader. He, I thought Schrader did good, and I thought that they did get some injuries. But it's funny. You, you look at their wins last year, six in a row, then they lose five in a row. <laughs> the season's almost over. Then they get that one win against Boston College, and then they lose to Minnesota in the bowl game. So I found that Syracuse is a, is, is a very interesting situation. If you were smart enough to see they were overrated and just started fading them um, after Clemson, then you had an opportunity because – you know, after Clemson, I, be, I bet a lot of people went, were on them against Notre Dame, and Notre Dame beats them by 15 points, you know, covers their spread pretty easily. But Syracuse, uh, I think they take a slight step down this year. I think they're not shocking anybody when they come in. Their recruiting is only ranked 61st. 
for three years. They do return a lot of guys, 24th in returning production, 73% of us, offense, 72% of defense. Transfer portal rankings, only 63rd. Their net yards per play was nice at 1.08. 2022 schedule ranked 41st. This year's ranks 69th. Their win total is 6.5, but my, my number's 5.5. Um, I think that this the ever since Clemson, they, they lost it. Kyle, any thoughts? Uh, you know, I'll be quick on this one, but I think Syracuse is probably overvalued a bit. The one thing I like about Syracuse is they bring in Rocky Long as the defensive coordinator. Rocky Long is a really good defensive coordinator. So I would tend to think that their offense takes a step back, uh, definitely down without Tucker at running back. That's a big loss. Um, I think their defense could be pretty solid, at least by the end of the year, switching to the 3-3-5 and uh, playing under Rocky Long there. So unders if they continue to play at a slow tempo they didn't play very fast last year um i'll look for unders here with syracuse yeah this team used to play fast but yeah. a few years ago this was a big change um yeah it schrader is a gamer i will say the dude really plays out the full fourth quarter he when he's in the game he expect him to score and go ahead of the next team i maybe a good live betting team if they're really um, fighting hard like they did last year. So I did like them about that, but they were really net negative in the transfer portal. A lot of the guys left. And I wonder what's going on with Demo, Dino Babers. I think last year, you know, the fact they made the bowl game and everything saved their season. But, man, I, I am seriously uh, concerned again for uh, them. And maybe Garrett Trader can work some magic again. We'll see. Georgia Tech, that's the team I want to go to because I have a play on this one. But I'm going to let you go first, Kyle. Yeah, Georgia Tech, I don't have a play on this one, so I'm curious to see what your play is here. Um, they play hard for key. I think they're uh, a team that doesn't have the same kind of talent that the teams around them do. Uh, this is a team that I'm pretty neutral on, so uh, I think Georgia Tech is uh, – we'll find out quite a bit about them the first couple weeks of the year. You know, They have some interesting games right away. Uh, we find out about them. I think Georgia Tech making the switch at quarterback is going to be interesting, where Sims went to Nebraska – uh, let's see how they look without him. Uh, to me, Georgia Tech's a team that's going to play hard. I'd probably bet them as an underdog in some spots because I don't think they quit. Uh, they were 6-6 six and six against the spread last year. New offensive coordinator this year. Um, they can't run the ball very well. You know, is Haynes King going to be good for Georgia Tech? I don't know. What's your play here, Kia? I'm <laughs> going under, my friend, under 4.5. Okay. Uh, just telling you right off, the, right off the get-go here, I'll put a full star on there, a full unit. Georgia Tech – they somehow they get they got those five wins last year, but don't be fooled by those returning production numbers you see because a lot of them a lot of times they're not accurate. You know, Sims did leave, and I thought Jeff Sims won them those games. I thought he's a pretty solid quarterback, and Haynes King isn't. Haynes King is not a solid quarterback, and if you can't get the starting job at Texas A and M with how bad that offense is, then this is definitely a downgrade. Uh, they also lost defensive end Keon White to the NFL draft and two linebackers to graduation that were good, top tacklers. Here's the weird thing about this team. They hired Georgia's quality control assistant and Buster Faulkner as their offensive coordinator. That just sounds like you're reaching. Like, you know, it's almost like you went to the quarterback coach and offered him a job, but he's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's go to the kid that's uh, their intern and hire him as offense score. I, I don't know. Maybe Buster Faulkner is good, but it just sounds strange. You know, sometimes certain systems are good for with talent, like Georgia, but that doesn't mean that system's going to work in a small school. You know, and and I wouldn't call them small school. It's just that they're not 
Georgia. They're not Ohio State. They're not Michigan. They're not Georgia. They're not, you know, Clemson. It, 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 they have to play with the talent that they have. I mean, Wisconsin had to do that, and they ran the ball forever, and it worked. It worked to beat all the other teams except for the good ones, and I've seen it happen before. But this is going to be rough. Um, they should definitely beat South Carolina State, but then they got at Old Miss. I mean, that's a, that's a loss. At Wake Forest, I have to assume a loss. They should win Bowling Green. Then at Miami, Boston College is a toss-up. North Carolina, probably a loss. At Virginia, toss-up at best. But then at Clemson, Syracuse, and Georgia. They actually get Georgia this year. So um, I say four wins is their ceiling. So I, I went under, Kyle. All right, that makes sense i think i think i'm going to pass on this one but i can understand where you're coming from all right well you know we, we covered everything but the virginias really in wake forest oh, why don't you pick wake forest virginia tech or virginia uh let me let me say wake forest and virginia tech both really quick i think clawson's a really good coach i just looked this up kiev he's 91 and 71 against the spread all time as a coach i think this is a big test for them wake forest probably could be a good team as an underdog here at some point this year they might improve uh, throughout the course of the season, obviously big loss without Hartman. Um, I don't want to bet a season win total on them, but I think they could be good to bet on at some point throughout the season. Virginia Tech under five and a half, I do like pretty well. I think Virginia Tech's offensive line holds them back badly. Uh, I don't like the path that they're taking right now. If you look at some of their numbers, the offensive line has just been crushing them 3.14 yards per carry last year the depth is really bad they might be the worst offensive line in the acc maybe virginia but virginia is about worse than about everything right <laughs> so uh virginia tech uh drones or grant wells is the quarterback grant wells wasn't very good here no. uh he wasn't great at marshall and obviously the step up to virginia tech was too much so i, I don't trust virginia tech they no longer even have that dominant defense so um i think virginia tech under five and a half is a good bet Oh, there you go. Virginia Tech under five and a half. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think I have these teams pretty bad. And Virginia is they're they're win totals three and a half, you know. And uh I think Virginia's strength of schedule is actually really tough here. They gotta play Tennessee. They gotta play James Madison, who was really good coming in last year from the SCS, right? Then at Maryland. <laughs> there that's three non-conference losses and then you got the ACC maybe you win you'll, you'll win against William and Mary god I hope so but man everything else is going to be difficult for Virginia and then they get Virginia Tech at home at the very end but that's not even as much of a home game as you know with the big rivalry there and the Hoosiers ranked 113th or worse in passing offense passing defense and rushing offense I mean they're bad and in Virginia Tech I, I gotta tell you 19.3 points per game is what they're scoring Grant Wells He's going to be pushed by Baylor transfer, Kirion Jones. But I, I, I wonder if that actually comes to fruition for Jones. Uh, they did get some wide receiver help in the transfer portal, and Brett Pry is going to have his hands full on defense. So I have these as the two worst teams for sure, Virginia and Virginia Tech, Kyle. Yeah, I, I could never take it for Virginia over either. It's under. It's hard to take under three and a half, so I don't know that I'll bet that. But Virginia is very weak as well. Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Well, anything else in the college football spectrum? I mean, I you know, let's let's look at some more of these season win totals. I want to give a quick shout out to the fact that I'm doing the season win total charity project. Uh, if you haven't already donated to that or looked uh, looked to see on my uh, Twitter uh, feed, you can see that as the pinned post. I've had a lot of people donate already. It's a great cause and. And uh, it's pretty cool to raise several thousand dollars and give out those season win total plays. 
Uh, let's see if we can have another good year. Last year it was 12 and three on those. So Woo. hoping for another good season with those. That's amazing. Awesome stuff. And you had like the best college football season I've ever seen last yeah. year. It was absolutely ridiculous. I think you're what, 70% or something ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah. 57 and 57 and 24. I'll be the first to say I can't do that every year, but it's been two really good years in a row. So I'm putting in the work to try to make it another good year, Kev. That is wonderful. Make sure you check out Kyle Hunter Picks. Check out the Odds Breakers if you'd like one of his packages. Kyle, thanks for coming on. Thanks a lot, Kev. And now let's get into some NFL with our next guest, Mr. Ross Tucker. Now I'm very excited to bring back a former NFL player and Princeton University two-time academic All-American. You've seen and heard him on weekends broadcasting football games and on the Even Money podcast along with the Ross Tucker football podcast, Fantasy Feast, and more. I'm very excited to welcome back NFL analyst Mr. Ross Tucker to the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross, thanks for coming back on the show, man. How has summer been treating you? Of course, Kiev. I feel like this is an annual thing now for me and you. I love it. Love coming, talking with you, getting ready for the NFL season with your listeners. Summer has been amazing. Uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. It always uh, is too short, though. It always feels (laughs) like the season comes real quick. I guess I'll be doing my first preseason game uh, a week from Saturday when the Ravens host the Eagles. So, this is my last weekend. This is my last weekend of freedom before uh, I'm traveling every weekend. But I, I I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. No, you're so good at it. It's so fun to watch, man. I can't wait to see some of your broadcasts. But, yeah, it is over. Get your popsicles in. Get your ice cream. Get it all over with because it's now coming into the fall football season. But we do love some football, and that's what we're here to talk about, some NFL. But before we get into a little bit of divisions and some season win totals, I just want to – I always like to ask a different question. I'm curious on – we had some rule changes, and we we always do every year, but what are two rule changes that really need to happen in the NFL? I would say your top two. Yeah, so I think number one um, by far to me would be uh, making everything reviewable. Um, I think there are still too many obvious errors that are allowed to go. Be under the guise of, well, it's not reviewable. Mm-hmm. And I understand people say, oh, then you'll be reviewing everything. Absolutely not. It has to be the other team has to challenge it. The other coach has to challenge it. And they still only have two challenges. Now, maybe that leads into my second rule, Kiev, which is if they get three challenges right, they should get a fourth because it's comical to me that if you get two right, you get a third, but then you're done. <laughs> what if the refs are having a terrible day? I mean, if you keep challenging them and you keep being right, you shouldn't get punished for that. So um, I really think there are too many things we're seeing with some of the um, roughing the quarterback penalties or some of the other penalties where the officials have been given the standard of essentially when in doubt, throw the flag. And so they do that on any type of hits to the head, targeting down the field, although they don't call it targeting in the NFL. They do that with the quarterback. And I think this pendulum has swung a little bit too far. I think it'd be nice to be able to review it and be like, no, come on, that's not a penalty, and take it away. So that that's probably one and two would be uh, being able to review everything. I'm not adding challenges. I don't think I'm even slowing down the game that much. And honestly, Kev, I think it even creates more of an intrigue and strategy because if you're a coach – 
you know, do you challenge or do you not challenge? You better be real sure mm -hmm. that they screwed up or that it's going to get overturned if you're going to use one of your two challenges. Absolutely. I mean, I, I completely agree with more of you, but I almost think they can do it a little more efficient. I think a little bit last year they dabbled with um, an eye in the sky type situation where they would just quick overturn it. I think that was in the playoffs where you might have saw some of that. I like that because it's quick and uh, it can be efficient and they don't have to have the same guys correcting their own homework. You know, I, I, th I think when you have the same people correcting their own homework, a little bit of ego tends to uh, kind of get in a little bit. So uh, in, in subconscious, it's just human nature. The NFL ha officials have a tough job. The game is so fast these days. There's more rules. So absolutely. I, I have no problem with more reviews. I hate the long stoppages, but I think if you just have like a uh, 15, 20 seconds and I in the sky can push a red button and they can get a quick signal that, hey, we have to quick check this. Uh, I think that would definitely do wonders for the game. Some my, uh, my issue with that, Kiev, is it's still a little too vague on what, I forget what they even call it, but it's still a little too vague on what the eye in the sky can, can affect and can affect. And it seems like the bigger the game, the more the impact they have, which is fine, except shouldn't it be the same, you know, for every game? There's still a little bit of a vague, a, a, a gray area there. Yeah, it, there certainly is a gray area because the importance of the game is going to factor in and there needs to be some protocols. And I don't have that either. And and I agree that that's something I'd like to get to. I, I know the XFL dabbled with the eye in the sky and it was going good till the league first went under. But man, um, it, there's just so many things that can be sped up and done a little bit more efficiently. I've seen refs review their own mistakes and the whole nation sees it and they still keep it. That just absolutely blows my mind. And I actually have numbers on refs now, Ross, for my handicapping <laughs> for totals and at home and away. <laughs> I think it definitely factors into the game. So I would hey, like to Hey, you know see what? I think, I, I think that's very smart. Kiev, because the teams do, you yeah. know, the teams do. Belichick used to tell us exactly what this officiating crew was like, what they called, what they didn't call, so that we could all be ready to roll and had an idea of what their tendencies were. Officials have tendencies just like players, and you should probably have a pretty good idea and the information at hand. I think that's smart of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, hopefully that pays me more dividends coming into this wonderful year of NFL capping and NFL play. I guess uh, pass interference, defensive holding is always something I think needs to be revamped. I don't have all the answers for it, but having two chintzy calls at the last two Super Bowls at the end of the game pretty oh. much puts stamps on the last two Super Bowls when it was going on. That blows my mind a little bit. I think that needs to be fixed, and I think everybody knows that, but the weirdest one is the forward fumble by an offensive player. If you fumble the ball 10 yards and you get a first down because your guard – you know, jumped on it. Why are you getting rewarded for badly fumbling the ball? But at the same time, the opposite happens when you're trying to stretch for the goal line, you fumble it out of bounds through the goal line, you lose the thing completely. <laughs> and then some of those calls are, you know, very close. Was his knee down? Was his knee not? I think that if you fumble the ball forward, even if your team gets it, you should get the ball back to where you fumble it, Ross. Well, that's what happens on fourth down. You know, on fourth down, you're not allowed to advance a fumble like that. Um, so I, I understand where you're coming from. 
Um, I'm okay with it because obviously they're not trying to do that uh, unless it was fourth down or a try, like a two-point conversion, where they might intentionally fumble it forward. Uh, I think everybody has a, an issue with what happens when you know you fumble the ball into the end zone. It, yeah. it, it, it is crazy to me. If you fumble the ball at the one-inch line, you get the ball at the one-inch line. If you fumble the ball one more inch forward, the other team gets the ball at the 20. I mean, where is the equity there? That's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And how do they not look at that? But hopefully that weirdness. I mean, it's your human nature to stretch and try. You're trying to score, man. I mean, yeah, you fumble, but the other team didn't get it at the same time. If they got it, that's something else. But they didn't. So I absolutely agree with you on that one. Well, let's get into some divisions and some of their win totals, my man. We'll start with the NFC North. Me as the lowly Bears fan. We'll go with the Bears is at 7.5 right now on most of the books out there. 7.5 for the Packers, Vikings 8.5, and Lions 9.5, anything in the north. Yeah, um, uh, I I kind of like the Lions to go over. Um, I think the Lions are going to get to, to 10 wins. I think they're probably going to win that division. And then the other one I feel pretty strongly about is the Bears under. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure the Bears have improved as much as everybody thinks that they have. I think they'll be better on the O-line. I, I think D.J. Moore will help, but they didn't win very many games last year. I think the Bears win six or seven games. I don't think they get to eight. Yeah, I'm with you on the Bears. It's a massive adjustment from three. Now, we do know that that last game, it's not like they're trying to win. They had Justin Fields, but still, I mean, the Vikings could have been trying better themselves you know they rested a lot of guys for the playoffs I think the Bears going from three to eight is too much of a gap so I'm with you on that I'm I was kind of hoping for an eight but I'm not sure if I'm going to get it uh definitely a lean as well to the Bears being under that seven and a half the NFC South you got the Bucks at six and a half the Panthers at seven and a half the Falcons at eight and a half juice to the over now and now the Saints at nine and a half well, so NFC South is. I like the under for the Bucks. I, I think the Bucks. I, I think it's going to be a, a major adjustment without Brady, both on the field, off the field. I mean, they only won what eight games last year with Brady, and now they're going to win seven with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Give me the under for the Bucks. I'm not feeling that one. I think Carolina is about right. I kind of like the Atlanta over out of the other ones because I can see Atlanta winning nine or ten games. I don't think their quarterback play is going to be worse than what it was last year. And they made a lot of additions, really both sides of the ball. They get Kyle Pitts back. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta wins that division. So I'll take Atlanta over and the Bucks under in the NFC South. No disagreement here because I bet Atlanta to make the playoffs at plus 180 about two months ago, Ross. And we knew now that seven teams do make the playoffs from each side. So I love that value. And I have a very strong lean to the Falcons over. One thing I will say about the Bucks is maybe hate them in the regular season, but preseason football is among us. And whenever there's two quarterbacks in high competition to make that starting position, Baker Mayfield's trying to prove something. Kyle Trask, that's a buy on team in the preseason. So be prepared for a few preseason bets on some of these ugly teams that you might not be completely on during the regular season. Let's move on to the NFC East. The Commanders at six and a half, the Giants at seven and a half, the Cowboys at nine and a half, and the Eagles, your Eagles, buddy, 11 and a half. 
Yeah, so um, I guess the ones that jump out to me here, I, I like the Dallas Cowboys over nine and a half. I mean, what they win 12 games last year? And, you know, now you add Stephon Gilmore as your number two corner. You've got Brandon Cooks as your number two wide receiver. I'd be very surprised, barring injury, if the Cowboys don't win double-digit games. So I like the Cowboys over there, and, and I I still probably like the Eagles over. Uh, I mean, they, they lost one game last year in the regular season when Jalen Hurts played. Uh, they still have a very good team. Um, I think, uh, for me, the other bet would be a tough one between the Giants over and the Eagles over, but I'll go Giants. I mean, I still think with Dayball, and they have enough that they add, I think the Giants win eight or nine football games. So, so my two plays in this division, as much as I like the Eagles, 11 and a half is a pretty big number. I'll go over nine and a half for Dallas and over seven and a half for the G-Men. All right. You know, so the G-Men has actually been hit under from a sharper side pretty much over the last month, month and a half. I thought the number is correct at seven and a half myself. I didn't make any play on that. The Cowboys, one thing that worries about me is the Cowboys is they did lose their offensive coordinator, obviously, to the Chargers. And McCarthy is just, man, uh, that coach is just, he bugs me. I don't know what's about him, but he. Well, that's the big one. That That's the one thing that I think is going to end up hurting the the Cowboys is moving. I mean, the last four years, Kiev, the only team to have more yards and points than the Dallas Cowboys is the Kansas City Chiefs, who have had Mahomes play like every game. The Cowboys have had a bunch of Danucci and Andy Dalton and Cooper Rush in there, and yet they were still second in yards, second in points over the last four years. I'm pretty surprised that, uh, that they made the move they did and that Cowboys fans looked to to scapegoat Kellen Moore. I thought that was asinine. Yeah, that was. Now, I don't think that the end of the fourth quarter is where these guys gelled together, McCarthy and Moore. And there are some very strange play calls when they're up in many times and when they're down at many times at the end. I think that was a, a big crutch for them. And now uh, that Moore is with Staley, what can go wrong? for the Chargers this year. Let's move on to the NFC West. The Cardinals all the way down to four and a half, probably juice the under now. The Rams at six and a half, the Seahawks at eight and a half, and the Niners at ten and a half. Ross, what do you got? Well, I like the Seahawks over eight and a half. I think the Seahawks have a, a really good team, and I like some bringing Bobby Wagner back, some of the additions they made to the defensive line. I don't think Geno Smith and what he did last year was a fluke. I'd be surprised if they don't get to nine wins. They're actually a dark horse team for me, uh, Kiev, to win the NFC. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the, either the Seahawks or the Lions made a run all the way to the conference championship game and won it. So really like the over for the Seahawks. And actually, I like the under for both the Rams and the Cardinals. I, I don't really see either one of them getting there uh you know seven wins for the rams sounds like a lot they better stay healthy and i i don't think the i don't think the cardinals get to five wins this year i think they're a three or a four win team so i'll go under on the rams and cardinals over on the seahawks well i've got enough under on the rams this year probably the most i've bet <laughs> i mean I, I got seven and a half though most of it so that thing's already moved out of contention really i mean i would still lean to the under 
Uh, Seahawks, I'm glad you said that because I came into this season, Ross, Captain, and I thought that I'd be low on the Seahawks, but I really loved what they did to their team. I love Devin Witherspoon. I love Jackson Smith and the Jigma. Edge Derek Hall. Zach Charbonnet is injured, but they do have backups right now. It sucks they lost some backs, but man, they got Draymond Jones, Julian Love, Jaron Reed, Bobby Wagner is back now. I think they're doing all the right things. And if Geno just takes that, he made a big step forward last year. If he just takes that another step a little bit forward, this could be a very dangerous team. I bet over Seattle, one of my earlier plays as well, Ross, so I'm completely on the same page with you on that one. Let's move on to the AFC North, and let me pull my numbers up here. They disappeared, unfortunately. I believe that... Uh, uh, it's Steelers 8.5, Browns 8.5, Ravens 9.5, Bengals 11.5. Thank you. And I, I like... Uh, I'll tell you a couple I like here. I like the Ravens under um i nine and a half for the ravens i'm i'm skeptical of this new offense everybody's talking about todd munkin and the the ravens are gonna lamar says we're gonna throw the ball um more and run it less are we sure that's a good thing i mean are, are we sure that's a positive for the ravens I, i'm not so i kind of like the under for the ravens there with thinking there's a possibility they win eight or nine games and then how do you not take the Steelers over? I mean, they haven't had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. And now with some of the additions they made to the O-line and with Kenny Pickett in year two, I'd be surprised they didn't win nine or ten games. So my plays in the AFC North would be over for the Steelers and under for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I am neutral on the Ravens and because the, their season win total is pretty high. It, it, can Todd Munkin's system translate to the NFL? That's always the big question. It's usually no, you know, when this situation happens. So I understand what you're saying right there. I mean, the big question is, does Cincinnati take a big step back? And after all the good stuff that I'm hearing out there, I don't see that. You know, the fact that Mixon took a pay cut at running back shows he's team friendly right now. Uh, while the other running backs are screaming right now, um, I know they lost some guys, but they also gained some guys like Orlando Brown, safety Nick Scott, Irv Smith at tight end. I love the Miles Murphy pick uh, out of Clemson, edge DJ Turner, safety Jordan Battle. They got one of the top two safeties, I think, in the third or fourth round. And, of course, Chase Brown from Illinois was a very good running back. I think that uh, the Bengals have a great chance to win the Super Bowl. I think Joe Burrow might be a good look. To win the uh, to win the MVP this year, I I know you got Mahomes there, and that's always difficult. But I, maybe Kansas City's a little bit more on a uh, hangover year, so I, I I understand that. And yeah, I did take the Steelers at six to one to win the division uh, earlier this year. I think it's at five to one or four and a half to one right now. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, let's move on to the AFC South then. And we have the Colts at six and a half, the Texans at six and a half, the Titans at seven and a half, and the Jaguars at nine and a half. Any plays in this one? Yeah, I like the under for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I think their offensive line has some major issues. You know, they lose Jawan Taylor, the right tackle and free agency. The left tackle Ken Robinson suspended for four games. So it, it just feels like they're in a bad spot there. Um, even Anton Harrison, their first-round pick, is a little bit banged up now. I don't think they get the double-digit win. So I'll take the under for the Jaguars. And I kind of like the over for the Tennessee Titans. You know, 
I'm concerned about their offensive line like everybody else, but they were a Josh Dobbs fumble away from winning the division last year, mm-hmm. you know, with no receiver. Now they have DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks is year two, and they have a, a healthy Tannehill who they barely had him at all last year, and they still almost won it. So I'll take the Titans over and the Jags under. All right. Well, I'll tell you this. The Titans did a lot of good stuff with uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I wonder if Tannehill is just going to be massively motivated now or does he take the other route? I would say probably the motivation route because they pretty much tried to replace him already. That was kind of weird for me. But one bet that I just made is after just watching Jim Ursay saying a bunch of stuff that he doesn't have to say about running backs and Jonathan Taylor, I thought that was straight ugly. And then, of course, uh, their backup breaks his arm <laughs> the next day in practice. I took them to be the worst team, and I rarely make this bet, but I have 15-1, to 1, and Anthony Richardson is a massive project, in my opinion. He threw 54% last year, and his running was what won him games. That's not going to take you so far in the NFL unless you can hold the ball and actually be some sort of a quarterback and be a threat. The reason Lamar could run is because he could throw the ball in some cases, uh, especially to the middle of the field. So uh, I think the Colts, very good chance. They have the worst record in the league i know i'm fighting with the cardinals here the cardinals are like only two and a half to one but i, I got 15 to one in the colts i took a shot at that one ross got it interesting yeah i mean i can um i, I can see that i don't think that'll happen because i think shane steichen uh will have a really good plan for them and i do think a quarterback that can run like that they can find a way to win some football games with his running ability and throwing the ball just enough um, I think there will be worse teams than Indy. All right. So a little disagreement there. Let's move on to the AFC East. The Patriots 7.5, the Dolphins 9.5, Jets 9.5, and, and Bills 10.5. Yeah, I don't really have much in this division, to be honest with you. I mean, I think that the Patriots win seven or eight games. I think the Dolphins and Jets both win nine or ten games, and I think the Bills win 10 or 11. I mean, this is the one <laughs> division where I don't have anyone that I feel strongly about. And that's okay, by the way. You don't have to play in every division. You don't, you know, there's no rules out here. Um, I think these this whole division is correctly lined. This is a stay-away division for me. All right. Well, I heard you and Fez talking about the Jets in their first six games on even money. And you're right. Those are brutal first six games, Ross. But I will say that I want to take the Bills under 10.5 because I really think Dayball is a lot bigger part to this offense than people really presumed. And I don't like the fact that they lost their linebacker, Edmonds, to the Bears. I thought he was a massive part of that defense. Um, I took the Dolphins under, and the reason I did is because what is your backup plan for Tua, who had, what, three concussions last year, and they, and they might have been hiding one? Skylar Thompson? Mike White? He was on the brink of retirement last year if he got another one. I... I don't see how he gets through. He's always been injury prone. It's that's all it takes for that Dolphins to go under. And obviously, if Tua plays and something else happens, you could that could hit. But I took the Dolphins under Ross. Any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think if he stays healthy, they go over. Although, yeah, I think if he if if he stays healthy, they go over. Um, but the Jalen Ramsey injury is concerning. You know, they were counting on him. I don't think he'll play at all this year. Yeah, that's massive. I totally agree. Let's move on to the final AFC rest. 
Raiders, you know, I wrote this last week at seven and a half. Is it still seven and a half? Broncos, eight and a half. Chargers, nine and a half. Chiefs, 11 and a half. I like the Raiders under the seven and a half. I don't think they get to eight wins based on what? I mean, what, what have they done? What have they added? Swapping out Derek Carr for Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get them several more wins. I, I don't really see it. My favorite play in this division is the Raiders under the seven and a half. I kind of like the Chargers over the nine and a half. I just think they have a really talented team. And I do like Kellen Moore as an OC and think he'll get more uh, behind a really good offensive line with Justin Herbert. So my favorite play is the Raiders under, and I also kind of like the Chargers over. I'm disappointed that I didn't get the Raiders. It's under seven and a half minus 240 now. So you might as well make that six and a half. It's really adjusted in price. But yeah, that is a, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he benefited from having two great coaches, Bill Belichick and Kyle Shanahan. I don't even know if he's better than Carr. I, I don't think he is. I Now you got Devontae Adams requesting trades. It's it's ugly out there. And the running back's not happy either. So I 100% agree with you on that. Anything else in the NFL landscape that we haven't covered that you might want to play? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think we hit it. I think if you're looking for a long shot, Kiev, I think if there was ever a year where um, a team with longer odds could win a conference, it feels like the NFC this year with the Niners quarterback issues, with Dallas losing Kellen Moore at OC, with the Eagles losing seven starters. You know, it feels like there's a chance for a team like Seattle or Detroit to come out of nowhere and get all the way to the Super Bowl. I don't think it'll happen, but there's certainly a possibility. Yeah, if Detroit fixes that defense, that offense was humming last year. And you know Jared Goff has a chip on his shoulder, but that is also the reason that they, they have the highest win total in the whole NFC North. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. I always love talking pigskin with you. Love watching your broadcast and listening to your podcast. Where could our listeners get your great information, media, and plays? Yeah, honestly, whatever social media platform you're on, just hit me up, at Ross Tucker NFL. It's either football, beer, or food, uh, probably <laughs> in that order. And I think you'll enjoy it. Twitter, Instagram, threads, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. Um, and then we've got a betting podcast as well, the Even Money Podcast. It's very, very popular. Steve Fezzik's my co-host on that one. And uh, we've done very, very well the last few years. So uh, check that one out as well if you want to make sure you're winning your NFL bets each week. There you go. That makes me hungrier for football. Beer, football, and food, man. I love it. Make sure you guys check out Ross Tucker at Even Money and all the podcasts at Ross Tucker Media. All right, now I'm going to end the show with a little UFC on ESPN, Sanhagen versus Font in Bridgestone Arena, Nashville, Tennessee. Just going to quickly cover the main card here and give you a play. Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font is the main event. He is minus 350. Sanhagen, that is. <laughs> and, uh, that's a pretty massive uh, number, obviously. Hard to bet. Uh, single fights on fighters over minus 300 in my opinion but i really do think that there is a little value on sanhagen i think this should be more minus 450 minus 500 i think sanhagen is much better than font both of them have high significant strikes land per minute 
Uh, Sanhagen is 5.98. Font is, I believe, 6.39. So both are great strikers. But Sanhagen just has more power. He has more power to his punches. He is the taller fighter. He is the bigger fighter. You know, that's something I always factor in. He's got longer legs. You know, he's going to be able to capitalize more on those leg kicks. He also has some good takedown defense. And he's fought some of the best fighters in the UFC at the Bam Tam weight class. Uh, looking at the difference of strength and schedule, it's pretty significant. Corey Sanhagen has fought in Marlon Vera, and he beat Marlon Vera in a split decision back in March. And Vera, very, very good competition. He beat Yadong Song. He lost to Peter Yan and TJ Dillashaw. I think that's okay. I thought he beat Dillashaw, and I thought the judges were terrible in that fight. As a matter of fact, Twitter went up in a uproar after that. But he's going to be able to get the damage it takes to uh, score the points to beat Rob Font. And no shame in you losing to former champion uh, Peter Yan, right? Definitely no shame in that. But uh, Rob Font, some of the guys that he fought, you know, Adrian Yanez, yeah, okay, decent win. But he, he lost to Marlon Vera. He lost to an aging Jose Aldo back in 2021. And his wins were like Sergio Pettis, Ricky Simon, Marlon Moraes, Cody Garbrandt. Definitely not uh, anybody in the Tier 1 of the Bantamweight class. He's lost to Rafael Asunchao, lost to Pedro Munhoz back in 2017. He just does not have the same skill that Corey Sanhagen has at 16-4. Now, Font is 36 years old. You know, he's definitely getting up there in age, while Sanhagen is only 31 years old, still hungry for another chance to win uh, the title. So I think Sanhagen takes this. I think he's just the better overall fighter. So he'd be a good parlay piece for you. But laying 300 is very tough. I actually do have a parlay piece that I'm going to be using Corey Sanhagen with that is a premium play. The next fight, Jessica Andrade plus 300 against Tatiana Suarez, who's minus 400. I'll tell you this. A couple fights ago, Andrade would not have been nearly this much of a dog at plus 300. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's because she lost to Aaron Blanchfield, who's probably the best fighter in the... Uh, uh, in the straw weight class, in my opinion. And uh, Tatiana Suarez is 9-0. and And she's really the up-and-coming fighter here, beating Montana De La Rosa, Nina Nunez, Carla Esparza. You know, she's definitely fought some of uh, some good competition here. And it's hard to really fault her. Would I make her minus 400 and plus 300? Probably not. Now, I know that Jessica Andraz is the same age, really, but she's more on her way out, been fighting in the UFC since 2013. While, you know, Tatiana is kind of on her way in, I would probably line this fight, you know, Tatiana minus 200, minus 225. I'm seriously considering a long shot on Andraz because she just has the more much more experience. And But, man, I, that last fight against uh, Jan, I have no idea how she blew that one. That was just getting KO'd against her. That was just, it, it kind of shows me that she was kind of down in the dumps a little bit after that February loss to Aaron Branchfield. But does she come back and uh, make a statement like she did against Cynthia Calvillo back in 2021, first round knockout? She beat Amanda Lemos. 
who's not like the worst fighter. <laughs> you know, Lamos is a very good fighter. You know, she uh, beat Lauren Murphy. The only way I would go is Andrade. I hate it because I just don't like what she did last fight. But, you know, the whole motivation fact is really hard to really tell. You know, just looking at it and just assuming that she's on her way out. Maybe this is the one that she comes back for. So I, I might be playing Andrade in this situation. And she's just a very skilled fighter with a massive significant strike number at 6.82 to 4.35 but she lands 57 percent tatiana lands 73.8 percent just takes one strike as we know but tatiana is also better on her ground game most likely 6.12 takedowns per 15 minutes 2.61 for andrage but you know andrage has been there longer so that number is probably a little bit closer to each other both are about in the 50s for takedown accuracy takedown defense tatiana is way up there but you know it's it's a big step in competition i'm not saying tatiana didn't beat a couple of the really good fighters like i just mentioned but you know andrage is certainly a stepping stone for her you know i do like nina nunez that she beat and you know nina nunez has been a beast in the past uh i, I do like the fact that she beat uh carla esparza too but you know andrage is another animal and carla esparza was the champ at one point until she uh, lost it back to Wele Zhang. So, but just got to go with Andrade for the number. You know, it's all about the numbers when it comes to some of these fights, and uh, that's what you got to focus on. There's a chance Andrade knocks her out. It, it really is, you know. Dustin Jacoby versus Kennedy Nechukwu. Uh, Kennedy's minus 155, 165. I think this number's going to keep climbing. Kennedy's the four years younger. He's got the longer reach, 83 inches to 76. He's had some hiccups in his career and has lost some fights that he shouldn't have. But Kennedy is just a uh, you know fantastic fighter himself. Jacoby's uh, been there for a while at 35 years old. He just lost to Khalil Rondry, and Khalil's just been a terrible fighter lately, and Zamzat uh, Merskinov. And I just... I, I just think this is another situation where Kennedy is the rightful favorite. Uh, I, the question you got to ask yourself is the number correct. Kennedy can wrestle, and you know he's only got one submission, eight KOs, and three decisions. But you know Kennedy is the kind of guy that can finish it anyway. Kennedy's grappling takedown defense is at eighty percent, while Jacoby's is at sixty percent. Kennedy's takedown accuracy is fifty percent. Jacoby's is at twenty five percent. He Kennedy's really better at that. I think this is mostly going to be a stand up fight anyway, which gives. Kennedy certainly an advantage on that. Um, wouldn't be a problem if you laid the minus 155, 160 on this one itself. Uh, next fight, Diego Lopez versus Gavin Tucker. I tried to find a play on this. Gavin Tucker's plus 150, Diego Lopez minus 175. Diego's just a better, well-rounded fighter. In my opinion, he can sub a little bit better on the ground. He doesn't really try to take you down, but he is a BJJ I'm not sure if he's a black belt, but he's definitely a BJJ guy. Uh, being Brazilian, I mean, <laughs> not too many Brazilians aren't, right? It's kind of like being Russian and not being a wrestler almost. But, uh, you know, we have to remember that Gavin Tucker is 37 years old. <laughs> you know, he's definitely older and Diego's 28, probably a little bit more hungry here. And minus 175, that's close to about a 60 two 63 percent chance he wins that's probably right i wouldn't say necessarily wins two out of three all the time but 
I think these are good numbers. You know, you try to stay away from the good numbers. This fight probably goes to decision. You can get that right now at plus 110. That's maybe the best look right there. Looking at these fighters' history, they go into the third round quite often. The Gavin Tucker's been in the third round. One, two, three, four, five, five out of six fights. And then he got knocked out by Dan Ige. And Diego Lopez has been into the third round, or the fifth round even, third round or higher, all of his last, except for one, all of his last uh, six fights, except for one. Um, he knocked out Angel Rodriguez back in 2022, who gets knocked out by everybody. So <laughs> I, I think that definitely that this fight goes to decision is probably a good look. But the play I was going to give you is really in the next fight. Tanner Bozer is back, and man, has this guy been just terrible. He changed his weight. He's at 205 now. Um, he was fighting in the heavyweight class, but I feel his step down has kind of hurt him. You know, Bozer just fought Ian Kudabella and just got blitzed by Kudabella, right? And... It didn't really work out well for him. He ended up losing that one the first. Now, does he come back against uh, Alexka Kumar? I don't think Kumar is going to lose this. Kumar is 27 years old. He's kind of up and coming. He lost himself to William Knight, which is a bad loss, but that was all the way back in 2020 when Knight wasn't quite as muscle-bound. Then he lost a split decision to Nikolai Negriano. That's okay. And Nikolai is a very good fighter. Nikolai's. uh 13 and 2 in his MMA career. So, not a bad loss to go a split decision against him. Tanner Bozer, 2010 and 1, changes weight class. I don't think it's working out for him. I'm going to go with Kamur. Uh, he's 6 and 2. His numbers are good 4.78 significant strikes to 4.17, 59% accuracy to 51 for Bozer. His uh, grappling is better, takedown average 0.59 to 0. For Bozer, Bozer doesn't take down. He gets taken down. You know, I think he's just a more rounded fighter here. So uh, another opportunity to fade Bozer. Count me in. I'll be your Huckleberry. Let's do that for 1.5 stars at the plus 130. Well, I've been with the best, and I beat the best. I've retired more men than Social Security. <laughs> All right, my friends. That's the last fight I'm going to cover. Ludwig Klein versus Ignacio Bahamandes, and I think I just destroyed his name. I honestly just can't get a good feel for this fight. And sometimes when I do that, I don't want to you know, lead anybody the wrong way. I just think the numbers could be correct. And uh, uh, I bet on Klein, and I've lost and won on him before. And Ignacio's got 7.93 strikes per minute. Klein's only at 3.44. The grappling, that's what Klein does. And Klein's going to try to grapple. But Ignacio's got amazing takedown defense, 95% to Klein's 81%. Takedown defense. I think Klein's more the wrestler. It's what he's going to try to do. That's probably what's going to, you know, he's probably going to take some money on that. But in my opinion, I I don't have one. <laughs> so uh, last fight to cover on the main card. I do have some plays actually on the undercard that I really like for premium subscribers. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And thank you to our guests Kyle Hunter and Ross Tucker. If you have any questions for the Oddsbreakers and you want us to cover it 
on our next show. Please email us at info at theisbreakers.com. Tweet us at theisbreakers. Have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the fights. And go get some winners.